Scriptures from John chapter 13, please stand. John chapter 13, and we'll read verses 18 to 30. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What? You are doing, going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at that table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for your holy word, and we pray that by the power of your spirit, we would see and hear our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaking by his word, through his word, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Hating and coming to the light of the world. John had said that light has come into the world, but that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. He says that some hate the light, but others come to the light. The light attracts some, it repels others. And here at the Last Supper, we see this this theological reality, this spiritual reality play out in this situation. And of course, John is telling us this because he wants us to make clear where we stand. The light has come into the world. But have we come to the light. Do we love the light or do we hate the light? And we'll see John wants us to understand that our reaction to the light will seal our destiny. Now let's look at it first in this passage. You see hatred of the light. Look at verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Jesus says, 
I'm not speaking of all of you. Yeah, he just washed their feet, you remember. And, and Jesus washing their feet was a picture of him washing his people from their sins. But there's one of them here who's not clean. He will not be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Look back at verse 10 of this chapter. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. So here's a man, Judas, who is as close to Jesus as one can be. Look at verse 26 now. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Jesus gave the bread to Judas. That would strongly suggest that Judas was seated next to Jesus. We know John was on Jesus' other side. We'll see him in a bit. But here's Judas next to Jesus. Jesus had washed his feet. The Lord's Supper here is not the focus of John's gospel, but this was the night of the Last Supper, and Judas was there with Jesus and partook of the First Communion. And yet, Judas has nothing whatsoever to do with the blood of Jesus. He has no part with Jesus. You see, in, in verse 18, Jesus says he's lifted up his heel against him. That's a quote from Psalm 41. In verse 9, King David had been betrayed by someone close to him. Perhaps he was speaking of his own son, uh, Absalom, who came against him. And so David was a type of the greatest the ultimate king, his own descendant, Jesus Christ. David was despised by one closest to him, and so was Jesus. So Judas is close to Jesus, sharing the Last Supper with Jesus, and everyone still thinks well of him. Look at verse 27. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you're going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Judas still has the money, and his disciples, and the, Jesus' disciples assume Judas can be trusted with it. But turn back to chapter 12 and verse 6. John 12, 6. You remember when Mary of Bethany had anointed Jesus with the expensive ointment. Judas said, why didn't we sell this and give it to the poor? And John 12, 6 says, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. 
This has been going on for a while. He's been taking the money, but no one suspects him. They don't know who Jesus is talking about when he says one will betray him. They looked at one another uncertain of whom he spoke. This man was well thought of. He was trusted not by Jesus, but the disciples trusted him. And yet he is one of those who ultimately and finally will not come to the light of the world. You know, the Apostle Paul mentions a man named Demas. Demas had been one of his friends, one of his associates, a trusted friend. But the last thing Paul ever wrote about Demas was at the end of 2 Timothy when he said, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. And that's why Judas never came to the light. He was in love with this present world. For, for him it was the money bags. For, for Demas it may have been simply comfort. Paul was in prison and, and Demas didn't want to risk incarceration. But when it came down to it, they chose a world of darkness over the light of the world. Are you in love with this present world? It's darkness. Or are you coming to the light? You see hatred of the light. Secondly, in this passage, you see coming to the light. Look at verse... 23, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table at Jesus' side. Now there where it says the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know from what John says at the end of the book in chapter 21 that he's talking about himself. This is John, John who wrote this book. He does not refer to himself as John. He, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? Some have felt like there's a tinge of arrogance in this, as if John was saying, I was his favorite. But there's a better explanation. We teach our children a song. We all do. Yesterday morning, I had all four of my children at the food line. I had my two boys in the black race car buggy with the flames on the side, and I had my two girls in the pink buggy, and I uh, pushed the boys' buggy while I pulled the girls' buggy and walked sideways and tried not to knock anything down in the aisle. And I would put one item in the boys' buggy and one item in the girls' buggy. And if I accidentally got out of order, I heard from the buggy that had been skipped in the order. While we were waiting in line to check out, you remember that, don't you, buddy? While we were waiting in line to check out, Mary Siobhan, she jumped out of the driver's seat in that buggy and crawled into the upper basket. And then John got out of his buggy and he got in Mary Siobhan's seat in the pink buggy. And so then I had uh, two girls and a boy in the pink buggy, and so I got Mary Siobhan in a, in a 
comfortable, safe situation, and while I got out my money to pay for my groceries, I put Thomas, baby Thomas, in Mary Siobhan's arms. And there she was holding Thomas, all four of my children crammed into this one buggy. And there in the food line, Mary Siobhan began to sing to her little brother, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then everybody else began to jump in as they were able. And I was a right proud papa there in the middle of the grocery store. Why do we teach our children that song? Jesus loves me, this I know. We're trying to make them arrogant, think they're Jesus' special favorites. Of course not. We teach our children to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the greatest and most wonderful that our reality that our children or you or I or anyone else could ever know is that Jesus loves me. And for John, the fact that Jesus loved him had become the defining thing of his whole life. That's why he calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. His life is now defined by the fact that Jesus loves him. It has become his identity, and so it's how he chooses to identify himself. He is overwhelmed by the reality that Jesus would love the likes of him. And everyone who comes to the light, this becomes their new identity. And while sad, it should come as no surprise to us that as our society generally has turned away from the light, that identity is now the hot-button issue of our time. People don't know their own identity anymore. Men identifying themselves as women and women as men, and if you think that is ridiculous, you are identified as a hate monger. A society that is hyper-politicized in in every area, tensions running like we have never seen before. And I can tell you why. A society that has turned away from the love of Jesus has no meaningful sense of identity. And so people begin to identify themselves by the things that divide them. And unless there is a great revival in our land, it is only going to get worse. Not that things were perfect when society was more Christian. The problems of the past were the same. That's why we had segregation. But if you look at our society today, things are getting worse, not better. And it's due to the rejection of the light of the world and a refusal to find a new, secure identity in the love of Jesus. How do you identify yourself? For the one who comes to the light 
of the world. Being loved by Jesus is who you are. It's your identity. John's identity is the disciple whom Jesus loved. You see hatred of the light. You see coming to the light. Thirdly in this passage, you see the light of the world. Look at verse 19. I'm telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place you may believe that I am he. Jesus wants them to know he is not being taken by surprise. He's not being overwhelmed. He has this under control. Literally he has it under control. He's in charge here. You see he says he's telling them this so that they would believe that I am he. Now, we've seen this before in John. That word he is supplied in the English translation. He really says, I'm telling you this ahead of time so that you may believe that I am. He is calling himself the I am, the name God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, what Jehovah means. I am. Jesus is saying, I am about to be betrayed and arrested and they will kill me. But I am telling you all about it in advance so that when it happens, you will be assured that I really am God. They will not take my life from me. I will lay it down of my own accord. He's the Lord God. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He he revealed that name, I am, to Moses. Where? At the burning bush. The light of the world. And you remember how Moses was drawn irresistibly to the light of that burning bush. He had to turn aside and see that great sight. the light is it drawing you the light of God in the face of Jesus Christ you see hatred of the light coming to the light the light of the world and fourthly and finally you see pictures of destiny pictures of destiny look at verse 26 Jesus answered It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Jesus tells Judas to go and do quickly what he's going to do. And you see the last word. Verse 30, he went out immediately, and it was night. You know, we could have figured it was night from the fact that they were having the Passover supper. Why does John 
bother to tell us what we already knew, that it was night. He's painting a picture. And Judas is leaving Jesus. He's leaving the presence of Jesus. And he's going out. Where? Into the night. Into the darkness. Jesus says that those who do not come to him will finally be cast into outer darkness. Out of the happy and holy presence of God. And Judas here by his own free will has sealed his eternal doom. If you leave the light of the world, if you do not come to Jesus, there will ultimately be nothing but darkness, eternal darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. But let's not leave it there. There's another picture of destiny in this passage. Look at verse 23. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? You see, John, the disciple whom, whom Jesus loved, look at his, his physical posture. He's reclining at table close to Jesus, and then he's leaning back against Jesus. And that may sound strange to us, but the author is making a point. It's the same language that John used way back in chapter 1 and verse 18 about Jesus, the Word, the only begotten Son, being at the Father's side in the bosom of the Father in heaven. John here has been brought into a similar position to Jesus that Jesus has with the Father. Now look at verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives me receives the, receives the one uh, I send... Excuse me. Whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. To receive the Son is to receive the Father. And now here's the message. The Son came down from the bosom of the Father in order to be betrayed, arrested, and crucified so that we could be brought through him back to the Father's side, to the Father's bosom, back into the happy presence of God from which our sin has estranged us. That is the destiny of all who come to the light. You know that old hymn says, When shall I reach that happy place and be forever blessed? When shall I see my Father's face and in His bosom rest? In the bosom of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, 
in the heart of God, the Father Almighty. That's the destiny of all who come to the light. Darkness and light. There it is. Come to the light. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.